0: Well, friends, we have started this year in a series on hope, and we've talked about the different aspects of that and how we can look forward to a bright future because of the hope we have in the gospel. And that was my topic last week. I hope that you'll take a moment and go find that on the podcast and listen to that episode because we're going to continue on in this series. Because friends, we do not need to move forward with fear and trepidation We don't need to be anxious, we don't need to be fearful. We need to face our uncertain future with hope and confidence because of the gospel. Friends, so many people are struggling silently and I want this series to be a source of encouragement and empowerment so that people can live their lives and be used of God in amazing ways because they are in his hands. Friend, we're not the ones in the driver's seat. We need to be yielding to God and his purposes and his plans to make a difference in this world. Lose yourself as a program, as a call to discipleship. That means those who seek their own and live for themselves, they lose it. But those who live their life for God and his purposes and his plans that are eternal and not temporal, live their life with confidence and a sense of purpose that transcends anything that they experience here, good or bad. And friend, that's what allows people to live confidently, even amid turmoil, even amid times of uncertainty. When you face this world and this life with an eternal perspective, it gives you purpose even in the valleys of life. It gives you a sense of perseverance where we go through our challenges and conflicts and come out the other side in a much more mature and hopeful manner than before. A friend of mine once talked about how eagles fly into the storm because it helps them go faster and fly higher. And friend, that's always been an image that I've had in my life, that sometimes you have to fly through the storm to soar higher, to go faster, and to do things that you did not think you were capable of doing. And friend, our hope in the gospel allows us to face life's obstacles in that way to where we come out in much more healthy, confident in useful manners. And today we're going to take on a tough subject that many Americans are going to be very familiar with, and that is money. I'm not asking you for any today, by the way. I'm going to help you as you understand how this fits into our spiritual life and into our daily life, how this aspect of our world that ensnares us and makes us anxious can be used mightily I'm careful to say that where it can bring fulfillment because not the kind of fulfillment that we as Americans think it's going to bring. We think it's going to be the be all end all that we'll be able to buy our way into the life we always wanted away from problems and it will bring peace and tranquility if you just have enough. And friend, I've known people of means and I've known people of not means and I know that that is not necessarily true. 42% of Americans worry about meeting their daily expenses, and 40% are concerned about their financial status, while 37% report that they're just getting by financially. This subject also is a touchy one because 25% of Americans say they don't have anyone they can ask for trusted financial guidance, and this is a source of major anxiety and worry in their life. The Bible says much about money, John MacArthur points out 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus deal with money. One out of 10 verses in the New Testament deals with the subject. Scripture offers about 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, and over 2,000 on money. The believer's attitude towards money and possessions is determinative. And friend, that's what we're tackling today, because if we're going to move forward with hope, Let's take on the thing that we most worry about. Food, clothes, shelter, security. Those are the things that define us. Most adults, we get up in the morning every single day, and we're going to spend most of our waking hours working somewhere. Work would be another program entirely, and there's purpose and meaning in our work. Someone I'll mention later in the program, Tim Keller wrote Every Good Endeavor, talked about how work is not a result of the fall. Adam worked the garden before the fall. And therefore, work is something that can bring us joy and is almost a form of worship in the way we use our gifts and our talents is to the glory of God. But money and the needs that we have are the times that that gets twisted into selfishness and narcissism and the things that entrap us. In my younger days, I had sales jobs and I got trained on how to sit with somebody and say, what does this watch or this car, this suit say about you? How are you going to be perceived? How can you spend your money in a way that you can ingratiate yourself or magnify yourself? And friends, I'm not calling to be a pauper or be slovenly, but when you have control of your money, it will allow you to live your life with purpose and also Avoid the financial stress because the culture that we live in is so materialistic. We are often tempted to spend our money on frivolous things, on depreciating assets, on things that are overextending us. It's what money brings out in our character and how we spend it that says everything about us. I once had another friend say, you find out who people really are when they get money. What do they spend it on? How much and for what? Because what that represents is when we're not dealing in scarcity and we can buy whatever we want, I think that it's interesting that the way that we spend our money. And I think that that's kind of the American dream. It's the life of plenty, of leisure, of luxury, of opulence. And again, I didn't have known godly people who are great stewards of their money. We're going to come to that later. But let's first talk about how we get twisted off and how this robs us of our joy and our hope. Well, you have to remember where your hope is found. Money is not going to save you. Money is not going to define you. And money cannot fill you with happiness. So we have to understand our true hope, that our true hope rests in the foundation of our relationship with God. Recognizing that our financial well-being is not determined solely by our efforts, but by God's provision and guidance allows us to let go of our anxiety and trust in his plan. Reframing our perspective on money and possessions through eternal values helps us prioritize our financial decisions. Billy Graham said, "If a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will straighten out almost every other area of his life." 1 Timothy 6:10 calls money "the root of all kinds of evil." So in and of itself it's not evil, but the unhealthy attachment can lead us from the true priorities of life. And therefore, we have to make sure that we are examining our motivations and examining our priorities all the time. Matthew 6, 31-33 assures us that if we seek God's kingdom and His righteousness first, He'll provide for our needs. Matthew 6, 19-24 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he goes on to say, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. This is one of the most powerful chapters on money because it talks about being anxious. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And I love this passage that talks about, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And so it ends with, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew chapter 6 is a great passage when you look at our attitudes about money and putting things into an internal perspective. You might be asking yourself, so now what? How can I have joy amid my financial hardships? Let me deal with the two main aspects of this first. The first one is just getting our heart right. Because until we get our heart right, until we get our priorities correct, all of the practical advice will pretty much be meaningless. And so the first thing I want to do is talk about the concept of stewardship. Timothy Keller discussed the concept of steward leadership. This principle asserts that everything we have, time, talents, or resources is a gift from God and should be managed with wisdom and care. A steward leader recognizes that they are not the ultimate owners of their possessions or authority, but instead temporary custodians of them. That leads us into a lifestyle of humility, of servanthood, responsibility, accountability, and then a long-term vision and legacy. So the very first thing we need to understand is when you ask me, what do you mean not to love money? What does that look like? How much money can I have? Is this a sin to own money? When you have this attitude of steward leadership, it means that you are viewing your resources and your time and your abilities through God's view of them. These are just temporarily gifted to you. You're going to be more likely to be generous, to be frugal, To be wise in your spending and to use those resources in the best cases and to be shrewd and intelligent in how you handle these finances because it takes a lot of wisdom to handle finances, much like the parable of the talents to whom much is given, much is expected. If we can't handle a little, then we're never going to really get a chance to handle a lot. And so, friend, that steward leadership philosophy is one that I want us to take with us to move forward with hope because when you see yourself as someone who's been entrusted with these resources, then you're able to understand the eternal purpose of it. When you also see the money and the resources through that perspective, it makes us less likely to put our hope into it, to define ourselves by it, to put our identity into it. And therefore, it keeps us having a healthy relationship with money, and it allows us to then be generous I've known many people through my ministry life. They found themselves in a difficult circumstance, and they got through it. Those are moments where you experience great concern and anxiety, but you know God sees us through those things and allows us to move forward. So I've seen a lot of people make a lot of gains in their finances in healthy ways because of their discipline and their obedience and their attitude. And then that allows us to be generous. Adrian Rogers says, God doesn't need us to give him our money. He owns everything. Tithing is God's way to grow Christians. And that, my friend, is a powerful message. And That attitude of gratitude that God gives us where we can be gracious and be able to help those around us and move ministries forward with our giving. Friend, finally, I would be remiss to say, if today you're listening and you're in financial hardship, there are Christian ministries that you can reach out to. Make sure you research them well, whether it is advocating for you and your debtors or financial literacy or both. Your current circumstances do not define you. That's why I want you to have that steward leadership attitude as you face this so that you can look forward to a bright future. Because within the context of that eternal perspective, maybe you're going through a quick valley where it's going to require some effort and some diligence and some discipline but you can move past this. And as we talk about putting money in its proper perspective, how can we learn from this and how can we grow from this? Because sometimes these tough valleys in our life are the times that we grow in our character, in our faith, in our discipleship. I leave you today with just the, just the encouragement that money can cause anxiety. It can cause stress. It can seduce us into making poor choices, into defining ourselves with it, and to making it an idol that we worship. But friend, if you're living that life, it is one that will disappoint you and one that will leave you empty. So friend, I encourage you to embrace the hope of Christ who will put money into perspective, allow you to live with hope and purpose, and then use it for its intended purpose. Join me next week as we wind down our hope series and prepare ourselves for the Lenten season. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I'll see you in our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.